<laughs> okay, so do we introduce ourselves? Yeah, so my name's Adana. Okay, my name's Fatima, but you already knew that. <laughs> um, this is the podcast that we're testing out. Um, just like everyone else in quarantine, except ours will actually be good. Exactly. Good content, good opinion. Yeah, opinion, good, everything good. Um, yeah, should we start? I mean, like, we don't have a mission statement. We don't. I feel like, how should we start? Should we just start with, like, just check-in? Like, how is how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I literally don't know why I'm watching The Leftovers <laughs> right now. It is the most, like, depressing, dreadful show I've ever watched. But it's yeah. so good that I cannot not watch it. It just, it's sure. really fucking depressing. Yeah, it's, like, it's like probably the most depressed of the show I've ever watched. Also, like, I know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. How, like, it's just so bleak. But it's beautiful. Yeah, it's very, it's, like... It's like true tragic art. I know. I, I mean, but yeah. Yeah. Well, people, it's commonly referred to as like one of the best shows of all time. Like it's up there with The Wire. But I feel like we were so young when The Leftovers was on air. Not young, but we were, I think we were like 14, 15, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I just know that, like, I probably will never watch the show except for now while I have the time and yeah. the capacity. But it's really affecting me um, for better, for worse. It's like no Watchmen, though. You no, know? It's, just, it's simply not. You can't compare. The actors are not even on the same level. I know. Like, I'm so excited for Regina King to come on this show. I know. She makes it, like, 20... like. You think it's good now? Season two is probably like the best season of television. Oh, okay. Wait, do you think that he made Watchmen so like black and like police brutality politics because the show like is kind of also about the police and then he started thinking critically about the role of the police? The leftovers, you mean? No, I'm saying yeah, the leftovers is about the police too. Yeah, the police, so, yeah. But like Watchmen is obviously like woke. So do you think like maybe I don't know, Regina King was like, yo, Damon, the police is fucked up. They're fucking yeah. up my people, they're fucking up my nation. Stop glorifying them. Stop like treating them with respect, et cetera, et cetera. You know? I, know I I hope so because like I know I th- I know she, I know the reason why, like, he is interested in The Leftovers, at the very least, is because he's, like, obsessed with the idea of, like, a loss and death, which is the same thing with that squid narrative in Watchmen. But, like, yeah. I, think, I think the police thing, because, like, he he has, when you see Regina's family in season two, it's going to be, like, it's going to be so different, because her family is just, like, 
how do I explain it? It's it's crazy. They're fraught. They it's not like oh shit, a black family. It's like it's like there is really deep set emotional trauma between all of them. Okay, like, oh, like, give it to the black characters. Yeah, and I thought I thought the way that she like she could have been a cop. I don't remember what her occupation was in that season, but I think she was just a, mm-hmm. a stay at home mom. But there is a scene. Mm-hmm. This is not there is a scene where she literally chases a white boy like within an inch of his life like she chases him and it's like, so i think that was like okay. the for her to play a cop later oh i see i see well they fell in love on this show it seems so i just want to see that unfold like i just want to see like the damon regina like spiritual like soulmate connection unfold yeah. Yeah. Um, and Justin Rowe is so hot. <laughs> oh, he's so hot. Can he act though? Because I feel like. Yeah, he can act. Okay, okay, okay. He can really act. Are you kidding? He's like. I cause I he acts so well that like I really disliked him for a while just because I yeah. think he always plays like really just like shitty guys and just like boy, yeah. yeah douchebags literally fucking douchebags um but he's actually like really nice in real life and to be married to jen aniston that's just like sheer positivity you know yeah that is yeah and like the way like, that like i don't know the way that he's able to be this tragic father even when though he has like he has like the whole narrative with his wife that we don't know what's going on for like the first five episodes i feel like yeah and then mm-hmm. and then it's like there's ugh, i feel like all i remember season two because season two he goes like it goes crazy like you know how he's like there's this whole narrative of like what's yeah. reality like, am i am i like am i yeah, crazy? yeah 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 like it's like completely unravels the season two okay good because it's it is really fucking slow and like yeah, another character that I really like is like the preacher pastor. He's like one of the oh my god, god. I forgot in a while. Man, the tall old man. Yeah, he's so cracked. So cracked. Oh, he's he's creepy. Wait, he's so creepy. But it's like I just like I love a character that makes me feel a million like contradictory ways about them because like I am rooting for him but he's such a bad bad guy but he's like so nice but he's also like so fucking rude to everyone and like demeaning them I'm just like I don't know how to feel like and he's just creepy and he just has that like middle like of nowhere like preacher dread you know yeah midwife like yeah yeah and he's also like very like the way that they make him the talking head of religion because you have the cult on one side and then you have him and it's like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right and like for the longest yeah. time I hated the cult like the cult was so annoying and then it's annoying it's annoying right now it's very stupid it's like takes up a lot of time they don't talk and like what's the reason and yeah. like I don't know if the show gives you any answers but it's just like uh like Okay, because I, I, I usually like the cults. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to root for the cults. Yeah. But they're so kind of, they're kind of lame right now, you know? Yeah. They don't have, like, a message. Like, they're not, 
no message. They're not talking, no violence. Also, it's like, I don't, like, I want Liv Tyler to talk. Like, I want that lady to talk, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm sure that, like, changes. Wait, I do have a question, though. Um, So Paris Hilton's ex, his plot line with, like, the black preacher, not the preacher, the black Black cult leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does that continue? Yes, and yes. It doesn't get explained. It gets explained. Okay, so a couple things get explained, but, like, not what you want. And that one is, like, not what you want. Well, if you don't, I don't know. If I, like, like, like that it, plot line. Like, I like it. It's, like, it's, like, it doesn't matter. It's like, okay, so it's, like, it's, like, you realize, because, like, he follows the guy like he gets deeper and deeper into the cult and we follow him and he oh. like doesn't come back to his family and then we ah, realize that, like, come the back? Guy, no he doesn't come back okay. and then also it's like we don't we kind of we kind of stop following the the family like we we start following a whole a totally different family season two like we Wait, see I- a little like bits and pieces of of the original family, but it's about Regina King's family season two. Okay, that's good, but also like I actually I I enjoy Tommy's plot line because that p- black preacher guy like gives you the fucking creeps, and I love yeah, that. Yeah, he reminds me of Virgil Abloh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just like that's just what he looks like and who he is. Like if that was like supposed yeah. to be a real cult leader, like taste yeah. maker. Uh huh. Yeah, it's very like Jesus is king for sure. Exactly. exactly. Like you're gonna be cursed if you believe in this, and exactly. that's just what ends up happening. I forget what happens with. Oh, okay. There's some crazy shit happens with him. I'm remembering now. I'm okay, like, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Because actually, well, I like that plot line. I think it's, it's so weird that like. You don't know. What'd you say? No, I was saying that the whole show banks on what you don't know. Like the mystery is what carries. Okay, 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 okay. I'll keep. I'll keep watching. It's making me depressed, but I'll keep watching. I honestly would not mind like a like dramatized version of like a Jesus is King like cult, you know. I yeah, feel like that yeah, could yeah, be yeah, really yeah. good, you know, it like Kanye good. West and like Virgil and all of that shit. But like, you actually have to add some like drama and like stakes to it, and like have him like actually be destroying people's lives, but. Yeah, yeah. I don't, and like, like, give me a black cult. Why not? And like, not let him be such like a. He can't be the hero. Like, I feel like oh, if he no, were he'd be the villain. Him, <laughs> he would have to be the villain, and he'd have to like to sell it to him. It'd be like it's like Breaking Bad, where you know we love the villain, but we don't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna write that. I feel like that's for like a corny black man to write, but. They can do it. They can do it. That's not gonna be on HBO. That's gonna be on fucking like FX. <laughs> no, no, not oh, FX. Showtime. Are you kidding me? Showtime. That's the one. Yeah, definitely on Showtime. Um. Anyway, how are you? 
<laughs> um, yeah. Did your Peloton arrive? It came in like uh, an hour ago. You know what the I delivery care? guy didn't come inside the house? They were just like, yeah, so we're going to drop it off. And we had, me and I my thought they were supposed to-, to come inside. They're supposed to come inside and like set it up. But apparently they've been getting orders. They're like, so we can't come inside because of like COVID. And so we're just going to drop off the monitor and the bike at your porch. I mean, which is fine. My brother carried it upstairs into like the the rec room. But it cost like $2,000 plus. (laughs) (laughs) My dad called him after they left and he was like, uh, that's not acceptable. I think he would have like yelled if they were here, but whatever. Oh my god! Then, um, it, shit, though. it has like water bottles and like mad. So fucking cool. <laughs> you definitely do like a um an unboxing, you know? I know. I mean, it's like, back in the box. <laughs> <laughs> not in the box, but like, like there's simple. a bunch of. And it's so aesthetically pleasing. It's like it's like packaged like Beats headphones. That sounds really nice. I'm literally staring at the shitty $150 bike that I bought on Amazon. But you know what? It does its job-ish. Like I feel like I can't really like work out, work out. Like I I think it's nice for just like watching the TV and like um, leisurely. Yeah, but I want to, like, get my workout on. And also Peloton. Speaking of cult, like, that's a fucking cult, you know? Apparently, every like, a lot of people in my neighborhood have gotten them. Because I was asking the guy. He was like, how are y'all holding up? Like, are you going insane? Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, we're just doing online classes, et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, a lot of people are buying Pelotons right now. And you can yeah. survive. He was like, I bought, he like has one too, the guy who delivered it. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, yeah, I was planning on using it once or twice a week. And now since we've been on quarantine, I've been using it every day. <laughs> yeah, which is good. You need to fit as fuck. So you should be doing. It's just. It, um, Paul or Patrick, I forgot which one. Whoever bought the stock in Peloton, very, very smart. <gasps> they bought stock in Peloton? I must yeah. have been a podcast. No, yeah. They, they, one, one of them said, like, they bought stock in Peloton, which is really smart because I feel like everyone everyone who has the fucking disposable income has definitely thought about getting a Peloton. Oh, yeah. Oh, in yeah. the past few weeks, you know? It's actually insane. Totally. It's like that, that woman. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, I don't know if she gets, like, a commission or whatever, but she's definitely making money now. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so have you used it yet? No, I really just got it. I'm I'm, I'm not trying to use it right now. But I will. I'm gonna try okay. tomorrow. You can make your own profiles. Everyone's gonna make a profile. Yeah, give me give me your account login because I would love to try it out on my shitty bike. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Cool. It's like um. Yeah. Okay. Besides Peloton, what else? Okay, we will talk about like how people are reacting to the quarantine on social media. 
specifically you're gonna have to take over because i only go on reddit and youtube and people are fine as far as i can tell you on instagram it's kind of like twitter is honestly the trash it's like the garbage but instagram yeah it's like everyone is doing so first day a lot of people were doing um chains like you know how like back in the day in high school people would send like a post and then tag like 10 people in it to do the same thing yeah yeah very retro yeah yeah like that type of stuff and I was like okay not participating but I've seen this and then the next like two days later a lot of people are like like I feel like 60% of the people I follow now have TikToks when before it was like zero I know (laughs) it's so to be honest um okay TikTok I feel like let's just go through TikTok shit because there's two things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about these freaking tweens on there making so much money off of TikTok. And I actually kind of live for them. Like, this hype house drama is actually giving me life. Because it's just, like, it's just so bizarre how much, like, social and literal, like, financial capital that these children have. Like, they have so much power, but they themselves are not aware of it and like they're just being propulsed into adulthood so quickly but they're also like all truly talentless so okay yeah like I like I don't know like if they can even spiral you know because it's like they're not smart they have no brain cells they're not smart enough to like to see how vapid their lifestyles are and I think also like Okay, so two things. One, that girl, um, whatever, Keech. Wait, explain, explain the video. Okay, okay, like, so, explain okay. the context. The video, okay, the video starts with Daisy Leach. This is like the confessional video. She's like, Daisy Leach takes down the Hype House or whatever. And she mm-hmm. is talking about how when she first moved into the Hype House, which is just a big rented LA mansion in which all of these with tiktok celebrities live together all between the ages of like 14 and 17 live together mm-hmm. film TikTok. it's like the logan paul like team ten house if that helps you understand <laughs> and so this this betty what's her name lily reinhardt this lily reinhardt look like yeah yeah she, just call her call her dark betty <laughs> <laughs> she is dark betty. yeah it's a dark betty she moves on to, like, she gets into this altercation with her friend, who is one of the TikTok boys who originally signed a lease with her. It was like four of them or something. She put down yeah. eighteen thousand dollars at how old she was fourteen, fifteen. She put down yeah. eighteen thousand dollars. Her friend put down like five thousand. This other guy put down eighteen thousand as well. And then yeah. she was saying that there was a whole drama because the guy, which the manager. This guy, my problem is that, like, why isn't her mom her manager? And why isn't her mom telling her, if New York Times is coming to your house, like, you need to be whatever. So the girl, the girl's friend um, takes all the credit for the house. Like, he has all control of the Instagram. He has all the control over, like, their media presence. He's talking to New York Times. He's talking to, like, E! Entertainment News. He's, like, taking credit with his friend. They're, like, the, the top of the house, even though she paid like a majority of the lease and mm-hmm. she was like also had come up with the idea for this 
project. Mm -hmm. So she moves out. And she releases this YouTube video telling all that shit about how um, he snubbed her. He has no moral compass, et cetera, et cetera. She was, like, being abusive and, like, not giving her credit and just, like, making all of the TikTokers um, unfollow her. And she just, like, lost out on a lot of money and fame in the whole thing. And I think, I mean, I skipped around in the video, but I think she was also blaming little huddy who is like the top tiktok boy he's dating charlie d'amelio who is like the beyonce of tiktok um his little little guy was he in the house as well yeah he's like the top bitch in the hype house and he's like a e-boy i know too much about this shit but anyway, um, she was also, like, blaming him for just, like, not really giving Daisy any sort of credit. And I think he's just been, like, one of the more contentious TikTok figures, which is really interesting. And I guess also yesterday news broke that Will Huddy was, like, cheating on Charlie D'Amelio. And there is, like, a weird age gap in their relationship because he's eight, he's almost 18 and she's 15. And she's also just, like, way more famous than oh. them combined. So she doesn't really need them. But, like, he's kind of playing her. <laughs> In an interview, he was quoted she's saying, like, you know, I don't want to label it. But, but he's being so fucking manipulative. Like, I I bet you he's a fucking Scorpio or Sagittarius oh or some shit like that. Um. So, yeah, shit was going down this brings me to the talk world. And... Would you say? Oh, I think we're all. I I was saying that this brings me to my second point was that like the the all of these kids involved in this drama, this TikTok drama, this like back and forth. It's all like the manifestation of like Snapchat and Instagram and like growing up on all that shit. But like, you know how when you're when you're going through angsty shit in middle school, it's like you want everyone in the, like you daydream of like making out with your boyfriend in the hallway and everyone watching or like yeah, yeah. breaking up with him and it being a thing and like every like everyone being in your shit like everyone has to be in your shit when you're in middle school. So the fact that oh, totally. it's now possible, it's like a legitimate reality, and your breakup is like YouTube viral. That's insane. That's like the kids. The kids are oh, yeah, the kids are living. They're living for it. But it's weird because there's not much progress in the type of kids who are getting um famous off of TikTok. It's the same kids who are like popular in your middle school. It's just like a bunch of like really mean, really conventionally attractive children. But and there's, like, you know, like, one light-skinned girl, like, one light-skinned mixed girl with, like, loose hair who, like, gets to be the token of the group and has, like, way less followers than everyone else, despite them completely profiting off of Black aesthetics and culture. And it's it's so um, malicious, and it just seems like they're moving so fast and they can't really see what's going on and they also don't realize that this is absolutely not sustainable 
it's not sustainable like when they grow ugly in like two years it's done yeah Yeah, exactly and like well i mean it's it's the boys have a much shorter lifespan than the girls do like the lily the dark yeah maybe like become a dj in la or like become a socialite or just become a vlogger like any of those things that are avenues and the guy exactly youtube is their only like YouTube is really funneling kids. Like, cause I didn't know what Vlogmas was. I I heard it for the first time today, on this girl's YouTube. What is a Vlogmas? It's like when you like vlog every day of the week, and it's like all the vloggers do it, and it's like they. It's like I don't know what it what it's it like is. A gift to your followers. Yeah, it's like a gift <laughs> to like the vlogging audience. So everyone vlogs oh a God. lot. And then there's just like like there's like a influx of content on YouTube. And usually like uh, no Yeah. It's just well honestly quarantine is providing vlogmas for <laughs> exactly. me. Um, one of my favorite vloggers slash YouTubers, Maggie McDonald, who Layla put me on to. She's just like the most boring, bland white girl who I guess goes to school in Boston, but she's yeah. just, like, a goop teen who, like, like, her passion is, like, eating clean. Like, that's her passion. Like, not even, like, being a vegan. Like, her passion is just being the most basic rich bitch in the world, and I'm very much here for that because I also want to be that one day. Yeah. Um, but she's been vlogging so much and like I love it and it actually does really feel like a present for me but some of these YouTubers I cannot give a fuck you know like I, I want Jeffree that. Star to post more but he's not posting and that's making he's me not gonna post when he gets a deal of some sort like it doesn't make sense to post really if you're really if you're on Jeffree Star's level I wouldn't post unless someone's sponsoring the video and it's like I'm yeah. like I don't know interesting to say like the girls that are, are vlogging about their quarantine routines are the ones that are up mm-hmm. and coming i think. but like yeah. you know how i feel about well do you like, like that though what the up and coming girls no just about like quarantine vlogging oh, the- like i don't know I do. I do i mean my favorite obviously is naomi campbell's vlogs of that type she of stuff where- oh she's a celebrity i know celebrity but like what i like i've been watching this one girl do her like skincare i like when people post during the quarantine but they don't make the subject of the vlog quarantine Mm -hmm. so it's like this girl Uh she was posting like skincare her new skincare routine and she's like and she'll like reference the quarantine she'll be like i know you guys are at home i hope this like brightens your day or whatever and then she'll like beach or something like i like when it's like I'm going to give you a vlog because I know you're going to watch it, but I'm not going to give you like my quarantine thing. I feel like the quarantine ones I've seen, I've tried to watch them and they've just been like kind of boring. Like compared to the yeah. other ones, they've been like, uh, like, yeah. Give me something interesting or just don't, don't put a video up. Yeah. I just feel like for a lot of these vloggers, they don't really like have much content beyond flexing um like Devin Lee Carlson or whatever where it's like she banks her entire platform is 
Let me show how much better my life is than yours. And I just feel like that formula sort of collapses when we're in a quarantine state. And like, not only that, but people don't really want to see that when it's like people are being fucking unemployed or people are being quarantined in like a shitty studio apartment and people are stressed exactly. out financially. Exactly. Like it's just really like reckless and irresponsible. I mean, not I personally don't really care, but a lot of people really would if they feel very insecure during this time. Exactly. Um and like your Oh, wait, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was going to say, like, I didn't read the article that Layla sent me because, it, like, I was like, this will make me depressed if it says. <laughs> I didn't read it either. Celebrity, <laughs> if being yeah. a celebrity is not possible anymore, because, like, that's obviously the goal. Yeah. But I, I think maybe it's more so. Oh, sorry, you go, you go. I'm talking. You go. No, but no, I don't think it's going to. I don't think being a celebrity is going to end in that. I feel like what's going to happen is that it's going to be less... I think this is good for you, too, Like as I say this. It's going to be less mm-hmm. quantity, more quality. You know what I mean? Where it's, like, it's like yeah. less of a flux of, like, so many people being able to, like, have their moments of fame by, like, having a popular TikTok dance or just having, like, having something to say. Like, the Jamila Al-Jamil's will be kind of silence I think in this because it's like y'all need to shut up if you don't have any yeah. like quality like stress relieving like mind-blowing like thoughtful things to say like then shut up like the, the I think the imagine video is like a perfect example because like people are not interested in seeing you the former superwoman of a movie that came up like four years ago yeah. like talk about or like sing John Lennon like especially when it's like you're singing imagine there's no religion or imagine there's no heaven or whatever like I, like why would you like it's just like such a stupid like it's just such an f you to like normal people exactly. for sure for sure you want more relatable celebrities now which is yeah I think well i i think honestly what people don't want anymore is the like the mega celebrity like the idea of a mega celebrity needs to be abolished like the robert downey juniors of the world and like i don't know like basically like all of like the marvel cast essentially um i just think like that sort of like obscene like level of wealth and influence is just like not really respected anymore and I feel like people want now more so like artists to create content that's meaningful and not just like mega church celebrities you know what I mean yeah mega church at the bottom of the day like at the core it's very corporate like it's it's so capitalist because it's packaged and like it's very like you know exactly Oh my god, exactly. It's very much like a corporation is like churning out um and bidding and selling these celebrities. Um but I think Mm -hmm. people are starting to realize this, yeah, they like they want heart and they want empathy. And at the end of the day, it's like you should be like broadcasting you singing Imagine from like your multi million dollar wine seller. You know what I mean? It's just so fucking tone deaf. I, mean, I wouldn't mind if that was me, but I, 
I <laughs> think it's tone deaf. I think it's tone deaf too. Cause it's like, it's just, it's just like, why it's like also how she ends it. Right. Like she just like the way she ends it is like, you're welcome. Like I'm, I did this all. I like I, a lot of people don't give a fuck. I, I, I just feel like more people need to be told that like, I don't know, just humbled in a way where it's like, I, I'm not gonna listen to you just because you like just because you're like affiliated with some multi-million dollar company slash yeah because you're the biggest in the world doesn't mean that everyone in the world has to care about you it just means that the most people like I'm sorry like Gal Gadot it's like the average person does not care about you like I just don't think Gal Gadot Gadot is a superstar like that like yes she was Wonder Woman like yeah she was wonder woman but also like who the fuck actually watched wonder woman wonder, that's what i'm saying that's like <laughs> it's like really like it's because you you were in a movie that was so normatively appealing to like the masses yeah. that is yeah. why you did well because you had the most average movie like in history or whatever like you just had like yeah a movie exactly. in its averageness not because it was exactly. like interesting to a lot of people yeah also i just like don't like her like she doesn't have a good vibe no, she doesn't she doesn't like she's just like i remember all the drama of her being like such a proud Zionist, and it's just like be quiet i did not know that. I oh yeah it was like a big thing like she's like i mean everyone in hollywood not everyone everyone besides mark ruffalo is a Zionist. <laughs> in in Hollywood, but she was like, I think she served in the IDF or something like I knew that. that. I knew that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Two years or whatever, but I don't know. That's. I think her IDF training like trained her to be Wonder Woman. You know. That's, you know these really do stuff at propaganda. You know they. Yeah. Do. Yeah, 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 for sure. That's insane. <laughs> She's so scary. I just remember when, she, like, when Wonder Woman came out, I was like mad it wasn't Serena Williams. I was like annoyed that it wasn't like a You're black. So... Serena Williams cannot act. <laughs> I wish she could act, but like give me a woman with muscles. Like the whole point is that Wonder Woman is ripped. Like Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like Victoria's Secret muscles. She had like like just regular it was such a boring idea for a wonder woman like yeah. give me something cut like why isn't she cut like Captain America it's so okay that, was that brings up a topic that's not planned but um to be honest I a lot of these Hollywood studios need to realize that controversy sells and that if you were to make a black wonder woman or really make a black adaptation of any classically white tail it would fucking sell so much because all these black people would go and watch it and we saw how much of a commercial success like black panther was um but then also like a lot of haters would go and watch it too you know and at the end of the day it's like with something like marvel or wonder woman or dc or any of that shit people are gonna go and see it regardless so if there's a little bit of like racially charged contention bitches are gonna flock so i don't get why studios like don't take that upon themselves like i don't know if it's a thing about like not 
wanting to like racialize their intellectual property. I think they think they'll lose money, but I truly don't think that's the case. I don't know. I don't know because I was thinking about like my knee jerk reaction was to say Black Panther was racially charged, but it really was more like a racial pleaser, like like yeah. crowd pleaser. No, it's like this is the black movie. Exactly. Like this is your movie. This is your opportunity to have superheroes. It's just I'm t- I don't know. I feel like I don't know why the studios wouldn't want to do it. I'm like thinking about that um roundtable. Cause I ended yeah. up watching it. I got to watching it and it was like I just feel like I feel like studios are more interested in like just what makes what's guaranteed bucks like not that this yeah, is yeah, for sure. what for is sure. like uh, like what's going to be a home run immediately like for, like there's research yeah. etc less risk yeah equals. I mean I guess I know that like they just want to play it safe because at the end of the day they want to make their dollars back but i just feel like maybe yes black films don't quote unquote sell but like how many great like black films are out there nowadays you know it's like if the only black films are like slave renditions or like civil rights era films like of course that shit doesn't want to like isn't going to sell like no one wants to watch that shit black and white people Exactly. Like no one wants to watch. No one wants that. No one wants that. Like we. Like I feel like we're kind of over it. Like as a whole. Like can we move on to something else? Because like, especially with like even the new movie with um the Michael B. Jordan thing where it was like he went to jail. A murder. I'm trying to cry. Like it's just I'm just sick of like the depression. The depression movies. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna make I cry, make it artful, make it leftovers. But don't make it... Or, like, give us a blockbuster. Like, I don't know. Besides Black Panther and, like, what? Um, Creed, maybe? Which are... Racially charged. I'm just saying they're directed by a safe fucking person. Like, I feel like those are really, like, successful commercial hits. But... um, And those are... Yeah, those are just two, like, really big commercial movies. And, like, yeah. I just don't get why studios don't invest more in that. I don't know if, like, Black creatives nowadays are interested in that, which is a potential. I feel like everyone wants to make a clean and slim sort of movie, all style, no fucking substance, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, That's yes. the issue. I mean, even, like, no offense, like, I'm sure Zola will be, like, really fucking good. I have no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah. But I think it's going to be more than anything, like, a stylistic choice. Yeah. Cool yeah. kids thing. Yeah. But I don't know how much of it will be cinema or commercial success. Like, I'm also just tired of Black films maybe only existing in, like, an A24. Exactly. That like, makes sense. Like, can we move on? Not, not just move on, but, like, can there be some diversifying? Because yeah, even like either more avant-garde or more commercial. Like not everything has to be in this like weird like. For example, a black film shouldn't have to be yeah like a slave tragedy, but it also doesn't have to be like a really like cool kid like club queer thing either. Yeah, yeah. you I'm, know, I'm like give me black, call me by your name. I I mean, please. 
I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, but, like, I think, I was even just thinking about, like, um, um, what's it called? Like, my best friend's wedding, not my best friend's wedding. Like, The Bachelor, fuck, what's the movie with Tay Diggs? It's, like, not barbershop, it's, like, where they're all going to a wedding. It was, like, the only wedding, it was the only black movie I remember being in, like, theaters, theaters that, like, a lot of people saw. And I feel like I feel like you could do something like that where it's like a family drama where it's like it's not necessarily it's black in the sense that it's black characters, but it's not like it's not like trying to be anything like historical or like super social justicey. It's just like telling yeah. you a story of this wedding and this guy who like may or may not like the bride, blah 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 blah. Yeah, wait, I, I googled Tay Diggs' wedding, and I had no clue he was married to Adina Menzel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had no fucking clue. Or as John Travolta would say, <laughs> I don't know what John Travolta called her, Adiba. <laughs> that always make me laugh. I watched that live when I was, like, <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, what? <laughs> I don't think that was wrong. Tay Diggs, he's like known for like hating black women. For hating black women? Yeah. <sighs> true, true. That's all black men, though. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna make black little women. Actually, I probably won't make black little women because I think that's like kind of a waste of time for me. But I just feel it's really interesting to have my mom say that she thought the movie was bad because, like, I don't know many black women who like read the book. Um, yeah, I'm like really, my mom really fucking loves the book and. She doesn't really like books, period. She like doesn't read, but she loves that book and yeah. she grew up with it. And um she just said that like the book is so much more serious than what Greta decided to depict. And she said the book is like filled with so much emotion. Like every page is like drenched in like really complex emotions. And yeah. also, um, in the book they're really fucking poor and like class is really at the forefront but in Greta's version I think she maybe decided to focus on the timelessness of the stories so it's like really just like fun and fresh and when the moments are sad they're really sad when the moments are light they're like so utterly light um yeah yeah but it's interesting. I feel like my mom like grew up in Sudan, like connecting to that book really heavily. So then I was thinking like, if this is a book that seems in some way to transcend the limits of race, like why not do like a black adaptation of it? I just think like it's timelessness and it's success should be open to everyone. And there's so much like the fact that it's placed in post-Civil War America like there's an argument for it's like well, historical reimagining yeah so, for sure i feel like yeah like like you said like where it's if it's if it's a classic it's got to be like multi-applicable like if yeah, it's going it to be a classic text 
hence yeah. like super accessible to all audiences then make it accessible to all audiences yeah well also what's weird about little women um and this is like a new thing in like a lot of mo- or contemporary like revisionist histories is that there's like black people sprinkled into the background of these period pieces and it's really uncomfortable for me because it's like you're literally re-envisioning a world where like racism did not exist you know yeah Yeah. but it's like but you're not putting any black people on the forefront you're just putting them in the background trying to like sort of undo your own white guilt but like simultaneously like pushing black people like further and further away it's very very strange and I don't like it because a lot of people are like oh well now in Hollywood you can't just make like an all-white film because you're gonna get flack but the truth is it's like this was a racist ass fucking time yeah why put in black people like that's literally ignoring history it's very irresponsible to me and it's like it's like exactly it's irresponsible because you're gonna give kids watching this the idea that like it was all harmonious and that yeah and that also you're like by placing all of like the fraught emotion only in the black films it's like so like the only times it was really truly like a problem like a moral problem like a physical problem like an emotional problem was when it was coming from a black point of view and it's like yeah it's like it's stupid to i to to put the brunt of the trauma on like black i'm just so a black experience like it's like the black experience is like an experience that is valid in and outside of that you know what i mean it's like yeah. visible in and outside of that so i don't think it's like yeah i don't know why it's the only place like even madman where it's like we're just going to pretend like black people were in the elevators and no one's at the end word. And it's just like, cool, cool, hunky dory. Like it's just, I know. it doesn't make sense. <laughs> I know. But then you have scenes where like John Hamm is like literally in full black face. And it's like, how are you going to have these two narratives coexist? Also it's just so dangerous to like be like, Oh yeah. In the North after civil war, like we were fully integrated as a society and black people were allowed to like, hold hands and dance in a circle at a debutante ball like that's just that's bad that's bad fucking history and that's kind of why I also want to do it because I want to be like oh I could do better than Greta I love Greta I love Greta's like Lady Bird one of my favorite movies if not in my top three but I don't know Little Women I think Little Women is such like a big commercial thing for her and maybe she didn't really know what she wanted when she wrote it. Well, what did I you think of Like, did you have the same opinion as your mom? I thought it was, I thought certain moments hit harder than the others. Um, I thought the acting was good. Like, I thought Shersha was really good. I love Timothy and I'm biased, so I can't really comment on that. Um, yeah. But, like, also, what are you going to do when, like, Meryl Streep, like, comes into the scene for two seconds and, like, outacts every single person in the entire movie ten times over? You know? I just feel like it was a bit teeny bopper. In <laughs> the sense, yeah, I just felt like they were, like, let's cast, again, like, let's cast all the cool kids in the film. and Exactly. Let's cast all the cool kids, including Meryl. Yeah. 
yeah, let's cut. Like, I just think that I think that's why I was avoiding the movie. It just seemed like very clicky, and I can't believe I'm saying that out loud. I just feel like it's very much like um a cool kid, like yeah, like these are like the white like alternative like cool kids who like really love movies and acting and theater and blah blah blah. But also there's like but it's like painfully white and absolves itself of like a lot of like fucked up things. I thought the movie was good though. I thought it was good. Definitely. Because like I'm going to watch it for sure. But like the thing is whenever you see like stacked casts where it's like like a bunch of stars in one movie. Mm -hmm. I mean usually historically it's like a bunch of like expensive stars in one movie like love actually or like valentine's day so it's like weird yeah. seeing it but but then right like then if you have a bunch of artsy stars in a movie it's like um fuck it's like philip seymour hoffman and julianne moore and like rachel yeah. wise all movie, you know what i mean it's like i don't know what if you're gonna do that i don't know if you're gonna do that it might have to be some sort of much richer story first of all but like be grounded in mm-hmm. some sort of like, artistic yeah. idea, artistic thesis, which I don't yeah. think Little Woman really had. Because exactly, if because at the, we did not need this movie. Period. Like yeah. that's 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 the one question that I would have to her, and I'm sure she's answered it. But I think she answered it in the director's roundtable, but I didn't find it satisfying. Which is why did you choose to readapt this movie? And at the end of the day, it's because oh, we're in a women's moment right now. But the movie the movie revolves around men period like like the story is about finding a husband and being fully faithful and having like a little bit of a fire but not enough to threaten them and to hold your own you know like yeah i i think that's i just didn't think this was the movie that like does any sort of feminist work and it's just so nostalgic and like filled with sentimentality and the politics when they were there were very uninspirational i, I think feel that's like, my yeah, problem with it oh sorry no it's like but a you big can't be studio thing exactly it's like a studio like feat i think it's just yeah. like another version of like it's like Marvel for kids who hate comic books. It's a machine. And love. It's a machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like, why I was like that's why I was kind of gassing like Noah Bombach, to be honest. Because I feel like I mean, I don't know Noah Bombach, but I feel like he would not have done a project like this out of artistic integrity. Personally. Oh. But also he's a man. Like he's a man too. So like he has to take on he has the luxury of taking on opportunities when he wants yeah. to do them. Like and she doesn't. More pretentious in that, like they would much rather choose the choose the project off of based off of like their masculine artistic prowess rather than you know the idea of just wanting to do something because they like the story and they like the yeah, actor. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I feel like I feel like I'm literally. I think this is such an unpopular opinion regarding Little Women, but I was so surprised that everyone was like, wow, like, this is such an incredible, incredible, amazing, amazing movie. And I was like, this is a movie that, like, 
we have watched a hundred times over. I'm not even talking oh. about little women. I'm talking about just this type of fucking movie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't I know. mean, it's like, and but it's like I've seen it done well. Like I liked. I'm not. For me, it's like I feel like when people say, "Oh, I don't like little women," or when I say it, really, people assume it's like because I don't like period British dramas, yeah. which I yeah. don't. Right? Like I don't care for them, but I I like ones that are good. Like I like the favorite. I like Atonement. Like she like that yeah. one. It's like yeah, favorite went off. But Oof. like. Ugh, what's um like lady and lady in red or whatever like it was just so boring mm-hmm. it had no like the, the hype preceded the movie and the hype made the movie seem so much in- more interesting and it just ended up being this movie about two french girls that that just like stare at each other for two hours I a did lady not- of a portrait on fire yeah the lady yeah, on fire. yeah. And it's supposed to be the lesbian film, like the like the response to Blue Woman. No, no. <laughs> I didn't watch it yet, but like when I saw the trailer and I saw the stills, I was like, "This looks like a slow ass movie." I did not. Scary. I should have watched. I should watch the trailer. But I was like, but I only heard what like Fikayo made a said about it, and then like I'd seen hype for it on Twitter. And that was it. And I was like, okay, I'll yeah. watch this. But yeah. it, was just, it was just so slow. It was so sad. And I just like, I don't want to give any more time to these stupid period dramas where the girls are wearing big skirts if it's like not going to be. Yeah. Honestly, if you put a black person in it, I'm not going to watch it. I feel like I'm just going to wait till someone makes a black one. <laughs> I think that was my last yeah, one. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I feel like why has there not been like a great black period piece that isn't rooted in slavery like those stories exist everywhere all across the globe like i i understand that why a black artist wouldn't want to take on that role and also it requires a shit ton of like historical research which could be really daunting but i'm not saying like everything has to be black but it's also like yeah like do i want to watch a movie about two lesbians staring at each other for two hours and like barely touching probably not like i think that's i am gonna watch it though i'm gonna watch it (laughs) totally it's like um watch it know that and like no yeah just know that it's just too long for me it's like because these period dramas are always like two hours 50 minutes of just just intense emotion no <laughs> but the favorite it's like fucked up that's why it's good like i just feel like if you're gonna make a lesbian movie it should be a little fucked up exactly a little fraught you like know? a little like, like deviant like it should be all those things Very because deviant. yeah a lot of it is where it's like the whole thing is that you if you're gonna ask a whole population like oh sexuality to watch this right like Give them something that, like, who's making, I just feels like straight people are making these. Or, like, really, really, like, old school feminist lesbians. Where it's like, yeah, I know. I, it's, it's, white, it's white lesbians. I mean, it's white lesbians. But also, like, yeah. to be honest, like, POC lesbians are also really corny. Like, I don't, I just, yeah. I think a lot of those stories are just, like, such like 
basic like intro to like gender and sexuality like theories and ideas but like also specifically in the case of like black feminist movies the cinematography is like so atrocious like yeah it's just like it's club lighting as you said it's like neon Um, club writing black blue pink whatever and it's just like I'm relying on this one trope where it's like please have some original ideas please because like the yeah, whole point is to be queer like, be like different not like recognizable yeah. warmly different you know yeah yeah for sure it's I'm like really about like going after wait what'd you say oh no you go you go no i was just i was just gonna like i was just adding that they do exist like these queer films do exist in some part they're just not on the mainstream like the ones that i like have been like instagram links to videos like on vimeo or something or mm-hmm. like, a, um, like a youtube not series but like a youtube mini yeah. clip like yeah. like where it's like djs that also make mini videos but it's not like it's never been like a full-fledged out narrative like yeah in like studio produced film and I don't know, yeah. I don't know how to get to that, how people get to that point where it's like, I guess once you get, to, like, when you funnel through all of the different channels, maybe it changes. But, like, I see mediocre films, mediocre white films made all the time by studios. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. I mean, I just feel, I feel like there's a certain amount of compromise. I, I, first, not everything has to be a studio film to have merit. Like, that's. Of not course, what I'm yeah. trying to say. I'm just judging on this. I'm, I'm personally just judging on the studio level and like more on the like mainstream. Basically, any movie that you could find on like a streaming platform or like iTunes or whatever. But um, I just think maybe there's like a bit of compromise that needs to come in. Like at the end of the day, it's kind of like Uncut Gems and like the Safdie brothers. It's like they incorporate art house films, but they never stray away from like um, a typical narrative of like a heist or of like a, a cat and mouse, like yeah, obsessive yeah. game, you know? Like I feel like there's a way to like incorporate art house elements, but like still make it really like digestible and palatable to like a regular audience but I understand that like a lot of people like just want to continuously like work in the avant-garde and work in the experimental and that's totally cool and valid but I feel like the people who work in the mainstream and are working towards that goal should actually learn a bit more from those sorts of like filmmakers and those sorts of thinkers and they should fucking read more and they should like go to like black theater performances and the avant-garde needs to seep in a little bit more into the mainstream because like what's yeah. ha- i think what's happening is that like it's becoming too segregated where the avant-garde people go deep 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 into their like sex mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. where they're gonna like, where they're gonna do and like study their ideas and like make these little short films or like independent films and it's so far removed they've been so alienated from the mainstream that like there's no one pushing the needle yeah. like yeah big, on a larger scale. yeah so the influence isn't truly people just watching like mainstream yeah. stuff yeah and I, I also think um this reminds me one time because i think in teens class 
Um, and Tina was this professor that we had for Black theater. And we read like a wide survey of like contemporary Black theater in this course from like, yeah, like more like experimental queer texts, like more just like really straightforward and like, I don't know, typical Black, old Black people plays. Um, local black people. But I, I kept, I know I kept saying like a couple of times throughout the course is like, I think the black avant-garde offers a lot of like tangible solutions to like breaking free from like the confines of the market or breaking free from the confines of like a white audience or just like the theater institution or et cetera, or the film institution. But also at the end of the day, it's like most black people aren't operating with that sort of like conceptual vocabulary to like, understand that shit and I'm literally not saying that black people are dumb but I'm saying like the black avant-garde for a lot of people is accessed through the terms of academia and at the end of the day it's like if I make a fucking movie if I make an art piece I want to be able to like show my grandma and have her like feel it on some level yeah same with my mom like my grandma like my mom you know like yeah yeah and like and Tina would be like oh like I think that like it is really like straightforward and people can understand it. But I feel like if you're an academic, then you're kind of far past that point. You're already where... once removed, twice removed. Yeah, I yeah. I agree. Where it's like it's like a lot of a lot of avant garde work is is so like there's so much background in theory where it's like yeah. you have to cross certain bases of understanding that it's not necessarily accessible in all ways, which is like, I think it's like the, it's like the paradox of it all. And I, and I really, I believe that there's like a lot of ways to make dense theory, super like tangible, but like I don't think anyone, I don't think a lot of people are interested in it or like, cause like if you're making black avant-garde, right? Like you're, you're making it Mm -hmm. for academics who are watching it or reading it. Like it's like, like, realistically because you're making it for a while oh, really? it's like are you are you gonna put that exhibit in the hood and like have exactly. a bunch of black people walk in and like fuck with what you're doing no no you're not and you're just not and i think that's i think that's fine but i think it's exactly what you said it's like i think there needs to be some more like push and pull because at the end of the day like the black avant-garde like has like the theoretical apparatus for liberation but the mainstream yeah. is the mode of like how you portray that to the rest of the world. And you can't, as you said, you can't segregate one from the other. Um, that's what I really want to do in my writing. And I feel like maybe a way that you can do that is just by like centering empathy and like, like the emotional sphere of a character or of a plot line. Um, because I feel like I feel all the theory too is in emotions inherently yeah just from like a black perspective or like a black psyche and like the theory is is also in like I don't know the layers like the multiple layers of the narrative like I like the way like um not to reference Tina's class again but like Brother Size was like a pretty much like a pretty simple story like it's like Mm -hmm. these three guys and one Mm -hmm. brother like was just got out of jail and his older brother is like this domineering um like straight edge type 
and his friend who he has like who he had had some sort of like homosexual like romance with i want to say romance but like relationship of some sort so it's Mm -hmm. like it's like possible to like just take those three characters and put them into like this story that has certain certain like echoes and parallels with other things certain references to like um mythology that like the average person won't get like even like the like experienced person like an experienced theater person will get but then once like I think like the the power of it all is kind of like seen through like because like I only know this because like I I wrote about it so it's like when you have when you pay attention to it like when you reread it you kind of see like the other like the like the theory kind of reveals itself so it's not necessarily yeah. like it doesn't have to be so like hammered in where it's like I'm gonna yeah. put the theory at the very beginning at the at the very front so that oh, it's yeah, just so sure. you can't see it but it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna allow you to kind of like find it for yourself and in that there's like ways to interpret it in like five different ways you know what I mean so like I yeah. I think there's like different ways to do that I think like that that writer that he like wrote the play on which moonlight was based off of and like yeah that's like a yeah. example of such you know crazy yeah. like i know art house mainstream like yeah. successful art you know what i mean yeah but then they like moonlight wasn't like oh let me shove this like crazy fucking theory in your face like it was the theory yeah the theory was the under the theory wasn't even the undercurrent like that shit was about love and yeah. it was a coming of age story and like that was the most important thing it's like at the end of the day if you're a black queer person the theory will ultimately follow a couple paces behind but yeah. to be at the forefront it takes away in my opinion just like so it's putting a black person into theory automatically is also an act of violence for me like yeah you can let them exist and like you can let them breathe for a while before like their bodies and their minds are stolen um to like academia totally foreign thing yeah Uh, yeah 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 um we're at one hour and six minutes i was gonna i was gonna say so i guess we can sign off um okay but we didn't talk about like one of the important topics. What was it? I forget. Wait. Struggle politics. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Struggle politics. Okay, we I think can we just make it quick. Or just make it quick. Okay, okay. So my thing. Okay, I'm gonna say my spiel real quick. So yeah. Specifically with what I've seen, because everyone, this is like one of the only times in in like the history of my life really that everyone I know is going through it right like mm-hmm. we've never lived we, like, we weren't I wasn't conscious enough to know what 9-11 was like and I don't really remember the tw- 2008 recession like that I was like too caught up in other shit but like I think this time where like everyone is truly going through it is like certain people who have tendencies that they don't realize are trying to like justify their emotions by saying like or not just justify it but like present their solidarity with like a struggle narrative by Uh posting all of this shit every single day kind of like condescending um what are you doing like 
moral high ground shit that like Twitter is known for. I'm seeing it a lot more often. And it's just, like, it's just, it's just like the politics of you Chicago kind of coming out in general, where it's like a lot of people like to position themselves, even though they're not really necessarily in these states, like where it's like they don't have to live lifestyles that are like necessarily like luxury, but like just, just, okay, specifically like apartments, right? How people choose mm-hmm. apartments at Chicago, where it's like, um, my rent is this and that, and yeah, like we have roaches, but like it's I can pay for it with this, and it's like certain people I really honestly know are like just positioning themselves in this way that like I am not, I'm not. They're trying not, they're trying not to align with the one percent, and it's like it's it comes off rich white kids. Pretending that. like they have nothing. I'm trying to delicately it's like it's like, delicately say how it is. It's just like it's like it's so it's it, I feel like it's more insulting because like people will assume things because I'm a black person at this PWI college that they have to like talk down to like they have to present themselves as lower class or like dumb things down or like talk about mm-hmm. how they are struggling they're working or whatever whatever when it's like I know you're working this job just because you want to fill up the extra time you have in your day not necessarily because you have like some money issues, money issues that you like genuinely or like you have yeah. a work it's just so annoying for me to like yeah literally people like this where it's like stop I don't like just stop pot like positioning yourself in this way because I think there's like there's a real struggle politics like like especially in like the activist community at U Chicago, I just think oh, people. Girl, girl, I literally, I'm not gonna name names, but I know certain people who are being like, this is like the most like detrimental time in our history. Like, you know, we're we're gonna be left out of the unemployment package. Like, like you know, a lot of people are struggling. A lot of low income families. Like, there's so much uncertainty in the air. Blah blah blah. But you yourself, your parents make more than half a million dollars and you like are from outside New York and your family like wants you to be home and you're actively choosing not to. You can create a narrative that you are struggling and that you are in this alone because you yourself have no character in you beyond trying to, you know, co-opt like labor struggles as your own it's really just like disingenuous and especially that corona is a time where privilege means everything and for you to like actively deny your privilege that literally benefits no one and it's you you deluding yourself that like you are not of a certain class and status and you actually are and the truth is at the end of the day the reason why a lot of y'all bitches are staying in Chicago is, I mean, of course, a lot of people do have really legitimate reasons to stay here on their yeah. own. But y'all are also doing it is because like, you don't actually want a social distance. Yeah. You guys also want to villainize your parents and say, oh, they're like so shitty, blah, blah, blah. Once you have like run of the mill like white liberal families like, like love, love care you, for you and let you breathe 
yeah, but y'all want to hang out with your friends who, by the way, if you are actually friends, like you can have some long distance time from each other. We're not comrades. We're right. not. It's, a it's like your fear of like the flimsiness of your relationship, as you said. Two, it's like it, you are definitely capitalizing by showing quote unquote solidarity by staying in Hyde Park. Because yeah, in that, you can post about rent strikes, you can post about this and that. When you can afford to pay rent, whether or not you're working, you can afford to like. Oh yeah, it's just like yeah. so to me. It just it, it really gets on my like. It's just it's like you are in no way living paycheck to paycheck. So why why position you like why like what's I, I keep saying position, but I don't know what the word is. Orient yourself in that way when it's like like you are just trying, yeah exactly. You're just trying to like. It's literally just social capital. Like, you're just, like, you're... Uh, it's, like, popular Twitter politics where it's, like... I know. Post- well, it's just, like, I don't know why at UChicago it's poor people seem to have clout or, like, really the people have clout are rich people who are pretending to be poor. But the truth is, like, news flash, like, the world actually revolves around the rich. And you guys are going to switch up your tune the moment that that sort of shit benefits you. No, I, I real y'all are gonna be on the first flight home like my thing is like i don't like like i don't get the i know what the real like benefits of this are right because like you get to maintain your position as a like leader or a member of like an activist group and you get to maintain this like sense of validity in your cause and you get mm-hmm. to have this this affect towards other people and you get to talk yeah. shit like it's just like this kind of like cyclical thing but in order to like maintain that position you have to be immoral because you're just like you're just lying about your actual state like which yeah. is I, I, mm-hmm. I think that i think that's like you said irresponsible i just i don't like i don't yeah. like it's, it's and if you actually cared you would be asking your rich ass parents to donate your allowance to like these organizations that actually matter and you'd be sitting your ass at home at home <laughs> yeah especially at-, at the end of the day it's like you think you you think you're an adult but like you're not like also your quality of life is just like not worth all of this exactly. also like it's okay to be alone like, you guys are already very lonely. Like, how about instead of, like, using this time to distract yourselves from that, like, cultivate that loneliness into something positive and find some security. So a lot of y'all also got some serious mental health issues that you got to get checked the fuck out. But y'all don't want to put in the work in. And y'all have, y'all want to communicate about it. And instead, you want to, like, sit around and drink beers and, like, play cards and call that a fucking life. But I'm I'm really saying this as tough love. Like I love I I love a lot of people who are making this decision, but but it kind of irks me. Like you just 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 be you, be you. It's okay. Like we're going through a crisis. Yeah, it's not okay. Accept it. It's not okay. We're not okay. You're not okay. Like we're all not okay. And at the end of the day, you have a lot more privilege and there's a ton of people who are way less okay than you. And yeah. to, to deny your privilege is just like a really dangerous thing to do. It's so Very dangerous. It's just always, and it's always going to bite back. My thing is it's going to bite you back in the ass. 
Yeah, when you get corona, because <sighs> y'all ain't scared. Because y'all aren't going home? Yeah. And I'm telling you, there's mad corona in Hyde Park. I'm telling oh, you. The fact, the fact that the hospital is right, there's just corona. There's it's corona right. everywhere. It's like, and my dad was like saying some shit about it being in the air. I was like, okay. I'm going to have to. Yeah, it is. It was like. That's why you like, get on your Peloton and go. Literally, get on your Peloton. Don't leave the house. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So that's it. Yeah, Are you going to post this on, like, Facebook and shit? I'm gonna if, it, if it sounds to... good? Yeah, I'm going to figure out how to post it on SoundCloud. And then I can post it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, SoundCloud is good. But will you, will you do, like, cover art? Cover art? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run a path with you first. We'll see what Yeah. Happens. Yeah. Okay, and then I'm going to send it to Ian. <laughs> yeah. All so, right. No offense. And, um, yeah, we'll see if this is going to become a weekly thing. Yeah. Like and subscribe or however this works. I don't listen to podcasts except for.